You're listening to A Stranger Podcast, www.thestranger.com. If you're stuck in a relationship quandary, or if you're looking for sexual harmony, well, there's nothing you can't ask on the Savage Lovecast. Help. There's a drunk woman in my hotel room. Still, who are you? Why are you here? Is that very nice? That's Lucy. Lucy joined us last week on the podcast. Lucy is my wife. She gets me food, does my laundry, doesn't fuck me while I'm on the road filming um, Savage You for MTV. And Lucy has graciously agreed to reappear on the podcast despite some really douchey comments from people out there about Lucy's performance. But Lucy has... Um, she's going to try to do better. You, you've, you've resolved not to go, mm, uh, mm, the whole time, right? Even though (laughs) I have that effect on people because everybody agrees with everything that I say. Uh, and you're not going to interrupt so much. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) Those were the only negative comments. Most of the comments we got about your performance, your contribution, uh, were really positive. People, people loved having you on the podcast. That's why we're having you back. Um, If you sucked, we wouldn't have you. Um, One (laughs) negative comment we want to uh, address. So last week we answered a question from a woman who has a friend who's in an abusive relationship. And you mentioned connecting with the people, reaching out, sharing about your life, that you had been in what you felt was an abusive, emotionally abusive relationship. And my gut reaction was, I couldn't believe it. You seemed too smart, too pulled together. And I think I used those exact words. And I got an email from a regular listener uh, who signs yourself regular listener and fan saying, I am so mad at you, Dan. Smart women don't get in abusive relationships, she writes. Are you kidding? That attitude is half the problem. All of the women I've known who've been in abusive relationships are the last people you would expect to be in abusive relationships. And she goes on to point out that some women get trapped in an abusive relationship because they seem so smart and capable that they can't get out or they feel like they can fix the guy. And she demands that I apologize for promoting, you know, that notion that anyone who isn't an idiot couldn't be in an abusive relationship or wouldn't, you know, stumble into one. Uh, So I apologize. I didn't mean to uh, give people that impression. I also mentioned that I was in a quasi-abusive relationship once, so I certainly don't think I'm an idiot. And I myself was in one, but yeah. Clearly, you know, I think what I need to say, we need to get on the record is that you don't have to be an idiot to be in an abusive relationship, but it helps. (laughs) Does that make it better? No. So what? Smart women and dumb women are, can all be in abusive, abusive relationships are for everybody. Yeah. Equal, equal opportunity. We wouldn't want to imply that there's something that can only befall a moron. They can happen to anybody. They happen to smart people. They happen to dumb people. They happen to average people. Um, the point is when they're happening to you or your friends, you need to do all you can to end them and get out of them. So have I dug myself out of that hole, Lucy, or have I dug myself a deeper hole? I don't know. I wasn't offended in the first place, so I don't know. (laughs) You're really not a good, you're kind of offensive. You're not a good measure of what's offensive or what's not offensive. (laughs) Sorry. It's okay. But thanks for joining me again. It's actually, I don't usually uh, record the podcast so late at night. I know. Usually I record the podcast during the day in the offices of the stranger with the tech savvy at risk youth, uh, sitting silently by, um, it's weird. It's, it's like 11 o'clock at night. It's Sunday. We're in deepest, darkest Oregon in the middle Ooh. of the night. We're drinking. <laughs> I never drink when I do the podcast either, Uh oh. but we are drinking. So, uh, 
who knows what kind of mistakes we're going to make when we start taking calls after this. The Savage Lovecast is sponsored by ExtremeRestraints.com, the ultimate fetish store and a fine purveyor of bondage gear, fucking machines, and more. Take 10% off your entire order at ExtremeRestraints.com with the coupon code SANTORUM. Double that coupon if you use it by Friday, November 4th. Hi, Dan. It's a 25-year-old female in the Midwest, and my question is that I'm in sort of like a F-buddy relationship with a guy, and that's totally fine. I'm not looking to date him. I'm totally cool with the fact that we're just having sex, and he's hot, and I don't really want anything more than that. My issue is when we hang out, it's it's absolutely clear that we're going to just have sex, but we sort of still do the college vibe of, oh, why don't we come over and watch a movie? Why don't you you know, come over, we're having a football party, whatever. So we never actually outright say that we're going to have sex, but that's what we do. And that's fine. And, you know, I'll bring condoms and he will, and that's totally fine. The issue is it's so sporadic that it seems like it's been happening, you know, once every two weeks, once every four weeks. And I feel like it's been that I have my period every time that I go there. And I don't know whether it's my responsibility to tell him that, I have my period before I go over there because when I do, you know, I guess I'm happy to give him head, but I don't really want to. And I would rather just go sit and watch TV and not really, you know, get cum in my hair and all of that. So my question for you is, and I know that maybe you don't have a lot of experience with this, but what is my responsibility ahead of time when he invites me over to watch a movie or watch football or whatever it is that we sort of fake doing before we have sex? What is my responsibility to say, oh, FYI, um, I don't know if you realize that it's been four weeks since we last had this issue, but I have my period now and you're not going to get anything. So do I have an issue? Do I say that? Is it my responsibility to just say, no, thanks, I'll see you in three to four days? Or do I just tell him when I show up there and sort of feel like I've been giving him false advertising? All right. If when you give him a blowjob, you get cum in your hair... You're kind of giving blowjobs in a in a strange way, you know. If you're giving him, you you you'd give head. You don't give top of head necessarily. So uh, that just leapt out at me from your call. It seems to me that if the understanding and the, the clear implication is that any invite is a sex vite, that he's calling you and summoning you, or you're summoning him. Uh, for sex under the pretense of hanging out or watching a movie or watching a game um, and you don't want to give him head, you don't want to do something besides vaginal uh, and you're going to feel pressured to, to you know, give up something uh, to get him off somehow if you show up and watch a movie, it would be in your own self-interest to say, uh, I'm on my period and just toss it out there and let him make the call. You can also... I understand from straight people that I've met and talked to, you can have sex during your period. And there are some women who enjoy having sex during their period. Many women find that having orgasms uh, can, you know, reduce severity of cramps or other discomforts. Um, If only there were a woman in the room that I could ask about this. Oh, hello. (laughs) Well, I just don't understand why you're going over at all when you have your period. Like, why don't you wait? Three days or... Because she's doing the lady shy thing. He's calling her and summoning her for sex. 
She knows she's being summoned for sex, but because of some sex negative hang up, neither of them feel they can acknowledge it before. And she doesn't want to call him out. You know, he calls says, you want to watch a movie? You want to come watch a game? And so she doesn't feel like she can respond with, yeah, I'd love to watch the game. By the way, my vagina's all a bloody mess right now because it's forcing him to acknowledge what he's actually doing, which is summoning her for sex. And so she's, you know, being shy, being hesitant, not being wanting to disappoint him by saying no or saying, well, ah. and she needs to speak up or she's going to keep giving those blowjobs that where the, the cum <laughs> lands on top of your head. Well, I just wonder, like, take a little, have a little power in this situation. I'm busy. I'm watching a movie with someone else tonight for the next three nights. Like, or just I would tell just want to avoid the situation. Compl- See, I would just avoid the situation. Completely. You would? You wouldn't tell the truth? You wouldn't say, I'd love to come over and have sex. There's blood gushing out of my vagina. <laughs> oh, no. You would never say that? No. Why? I don't, because I don't like to see the face that goes, <gasps> But you wouldn't see the face that goes, because <gasps> it's on the phone. I guess that's But who true. knows? Maybe he's, maybe, you know, she says he has this creepy timing where it seems that maybe he's, he wants maybe it. he's summoning her for those moments. Maybe what he wants is a blowjob and he mm. knows that if he waits four weeks, exactly, you're going to come through with a blowjob. Use your words. It always comes down to that, doesn't it? Use your fucking words. He calls and says, you want to come over? You say, I'd love to come over. You want to come over, of course, means we're going to have sex. Just so you know, there's blood gushing out of my vagina right now. And if that's not an issue, I'd love for you to fuck my bloody vagina. But if that's an issue, then maybe we should wait four days when my vagina isn't gushing blood. I think that sounds wonderful. It's beautiful. (laughs) Isn't it romantic? Hi, Dan. Um, This is sort of a different question than you've answered in the past, I think. My older brother recently discovered religion. Um, And as a part of that, he's decided that homosexuality is a sin. Um, I'm not gay. No one in my immediate family is. But this really, really bothers me. Um, We have more distant relatives, an aunt, and also a cousin, a second cousin, who are gay. Um... And I'm just not really sure what to do about it. Um, I feel like I, I need to do something because this does just just really get in something that, that just bugs the, the heck out of me. And I'm not really sure where to go from here. He's very sort of intellectually based, I suppose you could say, in his uh, religiosity. He's done a lot of research. He's done a lot of reading. And he's sort of made a very cold unemotional decision that homosexuality is a sin. You know, we weren't raised in any sort of way that, that told us this. We were raised, I mean, we grew up in Madison, Wisconsin, for God's sake. And it's, it's really weird to me. And I don't really know how to try and get him away from this. And it's really bothering me. I don't know how to break this to your brother or how you could break it to him. But his newfound belief that homosexuality is a sin isn't exactly prying the dick out of my mouth. He's free to believe whatever idiot thing he cares to believe. I don't see if he's straight and you're straight and his whole family is straight, how it really concerns him. That's one of the things that's so 
kind of mystifying about the religious, fundamentalist, Christian, wackadoodle obsession with homosexuality. There's a lot of shit out there that Christians regard as sinful that they just don't think about all the time, that they just don't create whole political movements and well-funded organizations to wring their hands about endlessly and to terrorize little ladies into cashing checks and to freak the fuck out about constantly. Yeah, okay, it's a sin and God hates me and I'm going to go to hell. Isn't that enough? Like, can't you drop it then? Uh, your brother, you know, finding religion and finding homophobia, you know, whatever, good for fucking him. If you want to work on him, if you want to try to pry the stupid, ridiculous, low opinion that he suddenly acquired about homosexuality out of his brain, I would send him to johnshore.com. He is, I think, America's preeminent uh, non-nault. Nults, of course, are not all like that Christians. They're progressive, accepting Christians who, when, you know, people like me scream and yell about batshit fundamentalist, asshole, anti-gay hater Christians, they tap us on the shoulder and go, oh, we're not all like that. And they whisper it. We're not all like that. And my response has always been, tell them, tell Tony Perkins you're not all like that. Because uh, I know you're not all like that, but Tony Perkins is the one and Maggie Gallagher and the fucking Pope running around claiming to speak for all of you. So if you're not all like that, go yell at them. Uh, and I've challenged more progressive liberal Christians to not be nults, not be not all like that Christians, be uh, aggressive, outspoken, uh, liberal, progressive on sexuality issues Christians. And John Shore... Uh, was that guy before I issued that challenge and is that guy now and I'm a big fan and he may help your brother because he's a straight guy. He's not a cocksucker uh, with a pro-cocksuck bias. He is a straight guy and a Christian and he makes a sound theological argument against the kind of hatreds your brother is acquiring. Um, but, you know, if your brother wants to believe that, you know, great. What I would say to him if I were you is, uh, Jews going to hell? Yep, and you leave them alone, right? You're not always harping away at the Jews, and they're going to hell. And adulterers and fornicators and masturbators. The list of people who are, you know, sinners and sinful and going to hell is a long one. So what does it say about you, dear brother, that it's just these supposed sinners, these homos, that you're obsessed with? that you kind of want to talk about and think about. What does that say about you? And if the only thing that stands between you and homosexual acts is God shaking his head, is God's low opinion of that, then perhaps uh, the issue goes deeper than this uh, faith experiment. The Savage Lovecast is sponsored by ExtremeRestraints.com, the ultimate fetish store. If you want to explore your kinks, you'll find a vast selection of bondage gear, Fucking machines, chastity devices, electrosex, cock jewelry, sex toys, and more at extremerestraints.com. Save an extra 10% and tell them the Lovecast sent you by entering the coupon code SANTORUM at checkout. Double that coupon if you use it by Friday, November 4th. Hi, I'm calling because um, I have a 16-year-old son who's straight. Um, he's pretty much a totally cool kid. Um, we're open in terms of discussing sexuality and I feel that he's um he's on a pretty good path the only question I have is that I know that as far as porn goes what he's been into is um things like watching women try not to pee and they they ultimately fail they they release or whatever I'm not really concerned about it but I do I am curious about the under of it but what type you know the psychology behind it um so I'm 
decide take kids from that. You know, let's say harmless, but for a 16-year-old, it just seems a little juvenile. Um, and whether you feel there's any cause for concern or not. My only cause for concern is that you're watching the porn your son is watching. You're never, you know, just a note to parents out there everywhere. Whatever you find when you dig into your kid's porn uh, selection or current reigning porn obsession will distress you. So just leave it the fuck alone. Just don't go there. Don't pull their mattresses apart. Don't look at their web browser histories. Don't look at what they've downloaded their phone because it's just going to freak you the fuck out. Yeah, I want to know why do you know this? <laughs> <laughs> and how do you know? You know, uh, parents police their children's yeah. internet activities. You can stumble across it innocently. You know, if you found it and it was your kid, you would probably want to know. You'd probably want to look. And, you know, why is he into it? The psychology behind it. Clearly, he's into, you know, he's got a piss fetish, obviously, Mom. Mm-hmm. It's not uncommon. And it's also not a disabling kind of fetish, really. Uh, you know, what's the psychology behind it? Clearly humiliation, loss of control, uh, power trips with that kind of, you know, quote-unquote humiliation piss play porn where someone's struggling not to, to urinate, not to wet themselves. Maybe he had some sort of early life experience with that kind of, you know, losing control or seeing someone lose control uh, and just latched onto it. Nobody really understands exactly why uh, people latch onto certain things, certain sort of life experiences that can just snap into their brains, into their erotic imaginations and create a lifelong fetish. And at a certain point, you have to like not worry about why. You have to be, I think, grateful that what you didn't find was snuff or necrophilia or shit or uh, really the kinds of or children, the kinds of sexual interests, compulsions that can, you know, destroy someone's life, really, and, and make them almost unmatable. Uh, his fetish, his interest ain't any of those things. So leave him alone <laughs> and think about your kinks and your turn ons and what you're into. And then think about your mom watching the tape loop in your head. And, and and sometimes when you're, you're, you know, when your children are the, you know, around the age that your son is, what you have to do is just tell yourself a nice white lie and say, okay, maybe he's just Tosh point owing this. He's just interested in the gross out factor of it all. And he's a little obsessed and he's tearing through every one of these videos he can find and then put it out of your mind because it really doesn't concern you in the long run. This isn't something he wants to do with you. So how you feel about it, where it came from, all of that is irrelevant. So long as he's happy, he's healthy, uh, so long as he treats his sex partners when they come into his life respectfully, so long as he's not burdened with shame about this, don't go talk to him about it. You should approach him about sex like you would approach any other kid. You should approach him about sex and sex conversations as if you didn't know this one very specific detail. And you should have conversations with him about safety, about consent, about birth control, about respect for your partners, about being GGG, about having reasonable expectations uh, of you know what sex is going to be like. It's not going to be like porn. You can tiptoe up to the porn issue that way if you must. But otherwise... This is a private thing, mm-hmm. and you need to leave him alone about it. Eek. Maybe he just likes the smell of pee. 
<laughs> Where did that come from? He just wants it all. <laughs> well, some people do. That's fine. And people freak out about pee, and I don't think they should because it's it's really just hot water, and yeah. it's a, it's a it's a thing that many people eroticize because it's so sort of of the genitalia, and uh, particularly men eroticize it. And I just think the worst thing you could possibly do in this situation is initiate a little mother son conversation about this. Uh, let it go, mom. You don't want him watching. Let your the porn. subject go, mom. Don't let your <laughs> yeah. bladder go, mom. <laughs> Just let it go, and everything will be fine. Oh my god! Hey, Dan. Um, I was just wondering if you could tell me what the hell was up with my lesbians, because yeah, I almost married a girl who was a lesbian, and. Or at least she was self-identified as one. And when I asked her why she was with me, she always told me that it was because I was apparently a lesbian with a dick. And she said I was a male lesbian. And fuck, man, I was a women's studies major and a gender studies major. And it still doesn't make sense to me. So, yeah, Dan, what the hell is a male lesbian? A male lesbian in this instance, in the circumstance you described isn't a male lesbian, it's just a massive rationalization. You were dating, you, a dick haver, you were dating a lesbian-identified woman, and that happens, and we've talked about this on the podcast a lot. There are a lot of lesbian-identified women out there who are really, truly, functionally bisexual, and female sexuality is fluid, and labels are are all rough fits. And there are a lot of lesbian-identified women who've wound up in unexpected you know, relationships uh, with men. And some of them are more comfortable with that fact than others. And some of them who are not so comfortable with their the fluidity of their sexuality or their that they're actually perhaps bi-er than they wanted to admit will want to claim that this one guy is an exception or has a female soul or female spirit. And they'll dub the dude they're fucking a male lesbian to rationalize the whole, like, messy subject away. So they don't have to revisit their sexual identity. So they don't have to come out as bi or not quite as lesbotastic as they thought they were. So they want to round you up to lady enough uh, rather than round themselves down to bi. Or round themselves up to bi. Sorry, bisexuals, don't be mad at me ah! for saying round down to <laughs> bi. So that's what was up with that. And, and you know, it's a night. Maybe she was, you know, maybe she was being funnier about it. Maybe she was just uh, quipping. Um, and, you know, it probably helped her see you as sort of a lady man that you went to uh, lady things in college and took lady courses. Yeah, you're too understanding, apparently. <laughs> God, I say, you poor thing. Have you ever dated a lesbian with a dick? Not yet. Oh my god, it's room service. It's room service, bye! Your question is really interesting, but our food is here, so we're going to go get our food and then move on to the next question. Sorry, Mr. Lesbian with a dick. Hi, Dan. This is um, a 21-year-old straight girl. Uh, I've been in my current relationship with um, my boyfriend for about three years, and we just recently decided to open it up about two months ago. Um, We're both in college, and so pretty much my first um, extra relationship experience happened last week. Um, started fooling around with a guy that I'd been kind of flirting with, and he talked to my boyfriend at length beforehand, and you know they knew that everything was going on good. And my boyfriend said, "You know, I got a really good feeling about this guy. He seems really cool, and doesn't seem like a jerk. So go for it." So um, I went 
back to uh, the friend's dorm room with them, and uh, we're kind of making out and stuff. And at one point I said, you know, uh, I don't really feel like having vaginal sex tonight. It's just kind of a long day. So what if we just have oral sex? And I thought that that would be cool. I didn't think that was a big deal. And, uh, and he kind of paused and looked at me for a second, and he was like, he said, um, if I go down on you, I don't know if I can do that unless I know the last time you were with another guy. And I've never heard anything like this before, and it just seemed really cockophobic, I guess. And I've never, like, been with a guy and thought that it was strange that he had had, he'd been with another girl recently or months before or anything. Like, it, I don't know, it just never really seemed like a big deal. Like, I don't know if it's a sloppy seconds thing or if it's, like, a little homophobic, but it really freaked me out and, it, quite frankly, just totally turned me off. And I haven't done anything else with this guy since then. I gave him blood drop that night and then just kind of left because I was just not feeling it. But, uh, so should I continue with this guy or just, or is this a bad sign? Because, I don't know. It, it seems like a little thing, but it's kind of, it's just like a real slut-shaming thing, I guess. Well, since Dan is busily eating a quesadilla, I will help answer this. I remember hearing in college from other dudes, and you'll have to tell me if this is true, that if a guy comes inside you, his cum stays in your vaginal canal for 28 days. This is some college, I think this is some urban myth shit, because I thought, <laughs> this is crazy. And so guys, I remember, would be like, isn't it weird to think that I could go down on a girl and technically eat another guy's cum? So to me, that's what I think happened. No, no, what's going on there is guys want that to happen, but they want it to happen by accident. <laughs> Any guy who would no, – not all guys, but any guy who would say that, ooh, think about it. If I go down on a girl – these are guys who are afraid of going down on girls in the first place, mm. right? So they want to make it even scarier and they want to add this element of like <laughs> accidental homosexuality. And of course, homosexuality is contagious and it, it, it starts when you get a little bit of another man's cum on your tongue and then it just spreads to the rest of your body. Um I mean that's I, that's what I heard in college, so I feel like that's what he heard too. I mean, when you go, when you know when someone blows a load in you, you're a lady. You have lady parts. You've had loads blown in you, right? Doesn't it all come like tumbling out eventually? <laughs> well, I would hope so. A big wad of it. Yeah. You, do you have you used condoms every single time all your life? No. There have been times after you've gotten fucked, like yeah, yeah. The wad of spooge drops out. Well, yeah, I hope it's not slowly over 28 days. Seeping no, not over 28 days. I'm just like saying maybe this guy had a legitimate concern. Like if you had fucked your boyfriend that morning Ooh. and you were coming over, I just don't want to dismiss his concern as like completely irrational. Um, just because, you know, I wouldn't, I, I've eaten cum. I wouldn't want to eat like. 12-hour-old come out of somebody's orifice by accident. Yeah, no, I don't like no leftovers. <laughs> right. So I think, I, I think that if you had said, perhaps, you know, maybe he didn't say it in, in a very respectful way. Maybe he did say it in a way that felt slut-shaming. But maybe what he needed to hear is, I haven't had sex with my boyfriend for like two or three days. Whatever yeah. he'd put in me ain't there. Or we use condoms. You know, if he was worried about there being cum present. And for some guys, like, that matters. You know, if a guy is 
going to go down on you and, you know, if you're going to sit on his face or something and, you know, you have multiple sex partners, I don't think it's necessarily slut-shaming for him to not want your boyfriend's cum to dribble out on his nose. I think what made you feel slut-shamed is that then you blew him. And he didn't touch you. And he didn't touch you and then you left and you felt bad. You should have just left if you felt bad. Yeah, if he asked that question in a way that made you feel judged or disrespected or shamed then you should have packed up your vagina and gone but if he asked it just because he was a little worried health safety and also you know squickiness a guy who's straight i think has a right to be a little squicky about another man's yeah jizz if he doesn't want to put his nose right there right after and encounter I think that, you know, you sleep with straight guys. If you don't want it to be an issue, go, like, fuck a guy, a bi guy who has no mm. sense of cooties. Because I, mean, I think it should bother anybody, actually. <laughs> straight or gay or bi, whatever. Nobody wants to encounter, like, three-day-old spunk falling out of a hole. Oh, that's so gross. Right? No, I agree. And I'm, I'm not slut-shaming there, because I'm talking about holes, not just Yeah, any, any old hole holes. that somebody might have come in. Any yeah, old one. A mouse hole. Now, come on. I, I want a straight answer. What? Have you ever, like, when you've had sex with a guy, like, six hours later, 12 hours later, like, a wad of his, like, congealed spunk? I don't know, 12 hours. How long does it usually take? I know, usually I get up and I pee. And out at A couple hours. Oh, yeah, a couple hours. Okay, so that's all she needed to tell this guy was, yeah. Like, I wouldn't want to, like, have someone then go down on me on the same day. So whatever, just tell him no. Don't worry about it. It's I think fine. maybe he was worried about, they call it a cream pie. He didn't want to stumble into a cream pie, right? Do you know what cream pie is? Uh-uh. That's when a guy goes down on a girl after she's uh, been fucked and somebody's coming her. Maybe it's him. Like a girl can give a guy a cream Ooh. pie using his own cream in her pie. But for a lot of like cuckolds and fetishists... You know, to go down on your wife after another guy fucked her mm-hmm. is, like, humiliating in this way because you're being forced to eat this guy's spunk out of your own, you know, wife or girlfriend's yeah, yeah. pussy. Uh, and he clearly is not down with the cream pie, <laughs> not interested in a cream pie. And and it's such, a like, a trope now in porn, like, cream pieing oh. that, you know, perhaps he's been exposed to cream pie porn and he didn't want to, like, He had have some a- sour cream pie. <laughs> <laughs> like, and he didn't want to have an accidental cream pie experience. Oh. Oh my God, I get that. Hi, Dan. Uh, my name is Scott. I'm 28 in Orlando, and I am a gay Asian male. I am a varsity-level BDSM player, and my problem is that guys I meet online and at the bars for BDSM play automatically think that I'm a bottom submissive, even after I tell them that I am a top. When I do get through to them that I am a top, they actually lose interest and are actually surprised. Now, I've been resigned to bottoming to get my kink on, and I do enjoy bottoming sometimes, but at my core, I am a top and a sadist. I think it is with this thing where guys see other Asians who are submissive, whether or not they are into kink, and they think that all gay Asian males are submissive. It seems to me that uh, the problem may be your presentation or the quickness with which you collapse into the bottom role when a guy doesn't respond to what it is that you actually want. Uh, there are, you know, there's that submissive Asian stereotype and maybe some guys are, are expecting that from you or demanding it and you're giving it. It sounds like every once in a while, if the guy's hot enough and you want to get your kink on, but there's a, you know, there's another stereotype that 
can play to your strengths or play to the role that you want to play, which is the sadistic Asian POW camp commandant. Like there are archetypes out there that rival and stand alongside that sort of submissive Asian boy thing. You know, and if you're boyish, uh, that can be a problem. You know, I used to know a guy in Seattle many years ago who was into S&M and was kind of crazy about it. And he was a top. And his problem was that he was very slight, very small and very pretty. And so guys who were kinky would look at him and see, you know, the beautiful tied up boy. Uh, and what he wanted to be was the big sweaty man who was doing the tying up. And for a long time, he fought it. He would grow these ridiculous mustaches and try to pass himself off as some sort of Tom of Finland tough guy. And he looked silly. And then one day he realized that there were some guys out there who kind of dug the the tension between the way he looked and what he wanted to do. Uh, and you can mind that too. You know, some people who are into S&M are crazy perverse in all sorts of ways. Uh, and it can be more fun to be topped by somebody – that doesn't look like a top, act like a top, sound like a top, uh, and it seems almost more deliciously perverse. Uh, you know, there are big, muscly guys who like to be topped in SM situations by little, tiny, skinny guys that they could totally take down um, if they weren't submitting. And so you have to find your angle and work it. If the problem is your face-to-face meetings, get an ad on Recon. Recon is kind of the hub for gay, bi, kinky guys. Recon.com. You can take on an ad. You can identify exclusively as a top. You can list everything that you're into, everything you want to do. And then guys who aren't interested in you for that, for what you have on offer, won't bother you. They won't come to you and say, no, 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 I see that you've you know, indicated that you're a top, 100% top, and you're completely sadistic and crazy. Uh, and you want to do all this crazy, sadistic, fun, S&M-y shit. But wouldn't you really rather do the opposite? No one's going to do that to you. So you need to put out there what you, you, what you really are, who you really are, what you really want. And, see, and then that will come to you. But is that really what you want? Well, yeah. I mean, when you're in the bedroom, prove it. Push back. I mean, if they want a sadist, be a sadist. Like, let's do it up. Don't be like, oh, okay. All right, never mind. I forgot my kink. Be a sadist. <laughs> be a sadist. Da, 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 da. Isn't no, that a song? Know. Be a sadist? No, it's be Italian. <laughs> Every, thing, everything just brings a musical comedy reference back to my head. I've Is that nine? Of, yeah, it's from nine. Hey. Very good. Thank you. You're getting gayer. Every day you spend with me, you get a Every little moment. gayer. Hi, <laughs> right, Dan. Uh, I'm... An attorney in Illinois, and I have a strange question. Uh, an attorney uh, on a case uh, that I'm in uh, is transgendered, and he just trans uh, from a man to a woman, so he's now a she. And I saw her for the first time in court this morning after this occurred. And my question is an adequate one as to should I have said anything about this at all? I mean, obviously, I agreed to her when I was came in and we talked about uh, things relating to the case, but I uh, completely ignored uh, the fact that she was completely different from what she was the last time I saw her when she was a him. Just wanted to know if that was the right etiquette to not say anything at all or whether I should have said something or any suggestions on that. This is one of those calls I just want to toss out there to listeners who may have hmm transition themselves and you know they're the people in your life who are close to you your family members uh your really close friends uh co-workers that you see all the time that you inform sort of formally you come out to them but what about like 
you know, second and third degree of separation, colleagues, associates, uh, who may not be on that list of people you came out to, uh, that you felt obligated to really give the heads up and inform. How do you want them to react that first time? That, you know, if it's somebody you see once every six months or a year in professional capacity, how do you want them to react? Do you want them to say, oh, I see that clearly there's been a change? Um, or do you want them just to, like, see that there's been a change and it's obvious and just roll with it and shift the pronouns accordingly and not uh, pause, take a moment, and acknowledge? Because I'm trying to put myself into that situation. And, you know, it would be nice, I think, perhaps – for it to be acknowledged and for the, the that you know for you to have initiated that acknowledgement and express some support and say oh i i see that you've uh, made a big change in your life and i just wanted to say that's not going to affect our working relationship at all and I'm, if this is who you are i'm really happy for you now maybe that you know that trans person has heard that 10 million times and doesn't want to hear <laughs> that again uh, and maybe that's making it all about you and maybe a trans person and i'm throwing this out there to the trans listeners would really prefer just to have it accepted mm. For what it is, for what's obviously happened without necessarily having to pause and, you know, shake hands and bump fists about it. Yeah, I don't... So when you transitioned, Lucy... Into a man. Into a man. When you project yourself into that. So you've transitioned, you're now male-identified. Correct. You bump into somebody you haven't seen for two years, what do you want her to say? You have the biggest cock ever. And then just touch it and fondle it and then just that is, let go. Okay, okay. I'm sorry to all my trans <laughs> listeners out there. I'm sorry. I'm kidding. I'm totally kidding. I'm sorry. <laughs> because now, cause they're going to be so mad. They are going to be mad. Because gender isn't about genitals. Okay. Get with the program. Okay. All I but, can think of is, is like... But I have to say... Wait, wait. I do have to say, say, in your defense, that if you were a man, you would have the biggest cock ever. Duh. Because Lucy... Lucy is... A big cock is your spirit animal. <laughs> oh, is it? Yeah, you have the biggest dick of anybody working on this show. Oh, I'm so moved. You really do. Thank you. M- uh, myself excluded, of course. Yeah, I was going to say, what about you? Uh, I think my dick's bigger than yours. <gasps> hey, Dan. Episode 260. The young woman who was raised fundy and then turned atheist and now she's out fucking around. I thought you were pretty harsh on her. Keep in mind, she was never taught right from wrong. All she was taught was, you do this and God will punish you. Now that that God is gone, so is that threat, and she's got nothing to fall back on. No moral framework at all. She was raised in a moral vacuum for the first 27 years of her life. Give her another 27 years to develop her own moral framework and then judge her actions. Hey, Dan, I was just listening to your show, and I heard the girls talking about how she started masturbating as a toddler and now can't get off any other way, and I just wanted to say that she is me. I started touching myself in daycare on a nap mat, and my parents sent me to therapy. Pretty much everything she said and for years and years, I couldn't get off if someone else was even in the room. Um, and it took me being with a guy who... Um, couldn't get off either, at least not at first. And the first time we were together, he told me, listen, why don't you just enjoy yourself? Because I'm definitely not going to get off. And I thought, well, this is stupid because what are we even doing here? Um, But I figured, why not try? And eventually I've been able to get off with other people. And now I have a great sex life with my husband. So I just wanted to call him and say that there's hope. Hey, Dan, this is for the poly guy who was wondering when he should disclose from episode 262. As another poly guy who's been through this, 
just get it over with. If you have an online profile that you're looking for dates, put it there. Make sure you've said it before you've gotten any really anywhere into it because if somebody's not going to be into it, they're not going to be into it on the third date, and then they're just going to be pissed off at you. If they're the same way as if you know after you've had sex or whatever, just the earlier you can say it, the more out you're living, the more integrity you have in what you're doing. And if you just get it out there, yeah, you're going to get rejected, and you're going to get people who don't like it. Those are not the people you want to date. Well, that's it. We're out of questions. Thank you, everybody. Thank you for joining us again, Lucy, here on the podcast. Love it. Now, just so everybody is clear, you had never listened to the podcast before you were on it. Correct. Did you listen to the podcast last week? Of myself? Yes. (laughs) Have your friends told you they've been listening? Actually, yeah. Is that a creepy thing to think about? Um, It's more creepy that, hi, mom, that you're listening. (laughs) (laughs) Lucy's mom, you are not allowed to listen to the podcast. It, I guess it's too late. You've already heard this one. You've already gotten all the way to the end. But Lucy's mom, you are not allowed to listen to the podcast anymore. Because next week, uh, if you'll join me again, we're going to talk about Lucy's first sexual experience. Ooh. At great length. No, we're not. I'm just trying to... I was going to say, ooh, that sounds fun. <laughs> I'm trying to scare your mother away from listening. I'm like, so excited about it. She probably knows all of it. You know what the saddest thing is right now? Hmm. We're on tour. We're going everywhere with this sex show. Nobody working on this sex show is getting laid anywhere we go. No, but everyone is asking me if I'm getting laid, which is even worse. But you're not getting laid working on this show, no, right? Isn't no, that terrible? No. Yes. You would think we would be like this carnival of crazy, crazy sex things happening. We're all like... Single, well, of you are single. Most people working on the show are mm-hmm. single. Staying in these hotels and hanging out, and there's lots of alcohol, and there's lots of college students, and nothing. Nope. Instead, we all grind on each other when we drink too much, and that's it. How come you guys can't close the deal with anybody? I don't know. <laughs> Maybe we need more advice from you. <laughs> 206-201-2720 is the number here at the podcast. If you'd like to record a question or call for a future show, whether you're working on... Savage you with me right now or not, feel free to give us a buzz. 206-201-2720. That's the number. And me and Lucy, and of course the Tech Savvy At-Risk Youth back in Seattle, cutting the show together. We'll be back at you next week. Another installment of the Savage Lovecast. Thanks for downloading. Thanks for joining us, Lucy. Thank you.